Well, good morning, Southview Baptist. How are we? Excellent. Glad that you are with us today. If you're a guest, uh, welcome. My name is Brad. I'm the pastor here at Southview. It's so good to have you with us. If you are a guest with us, uh, we'd love to connect with you. Best way you can do that is to grab your cell phone right now and just simply text the word CONNECT to our number, 910-424-1298. Just text CONNECT. We'll send you a link. Tap on that. Answer a couple of questions just so we can know that you're here and how we can minister to you and pray for you uh, in the best way possible. But for everyone that is here, we've got our big three announcements before we begin worshiping together. Here are the three things we want everyone to know about, all right? Big one, uh, big announcement number one is Vacation Bible School. VBS is June 7th through the 11th. We obviously were not able to do it last year because of COVID, so we crank it back up again this year. Very, very excited. And now we need you to register your kids, all right? You can do that by simply texting VBS to our number, 910-424-1298. Text VBS. Again, we'll send you a link. Click on that and uh, hit the register your child uh, tab. Get them signed up so we can know how many to prepare for for Vacation Bible School. Second big announcement, Range Day. Our military ministry is hosting a Range Day, uh, May 22nd. This is church-wide. Whether you're military or not, you're welcome to come be a part of it. It's also a family event. Uh, I believe seven and up are able to be a part. So um, you can bring the whole family. Bring your seven-year-old. We'll teach him how to shoot an assault rifle. It's going to be great. It's going to be awesome. Learn about Jesus, shoot, right? That's, that's what we're after. Sign up, range. Text, again, 910-424-1298. Text range. That'll get you set up for that. We're going to provide lunch for you, the whole deal, but we need to know how many to expect. Uh, so sign up for that. And then lastly, baptism. May 23rd, we're going to have a baptism. Uh, If you've followed by faith in Jesus Christ, you're ready to follow through with baptism to tell the world that you are new in Jesus Christ, you can text BAPTISM to 910-424-1298 so we can get you signed up and ready for that. And then for any other announcements that you have, download the church app. You can do that iTunes or Google Play. Uh, Download the app. You're able to give through the app. You can give at the buckets as you leave or give online through the app. You can also find a journey group, our small group ministry. You can find that through the app. Find out any other announcements. Sign up for any events that are coming up. All of that through the app. Sermon notes, the whole deal are going to be right there. So download Southview Baptist Church app so you can get plugged in and be a part. But I want to read a scripture to us as we begin our time together. Psalm 42, verses 1 and 2. Listen to what King David says in Psalm 42. As a deer pants for flowing streams, so pants my soul for you, O God. 
My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. When shall I come and appear before God? So in this, David says, he is longing for God like a deer pants for the water. This is a pretty common uh, verse from the scriptures. Maybe uh, you had a coffee mug or your grandmother had a coffee mug uh, with that verse on it. It has a little picture of a deer by a brook, head slightly tilted, lapping up some water. Uh, it's cute, but the problem is it's not exactly what that verse is saying. Uh, this is describing an animal in the middle of the desert who is thirsting to death. Longing, craving, desiring, if I don't get water, I'm going to die. And David says, that's how I feel about God. If I don't get him, I'm just going to die. I feel like without God, I'm just withering away. I need him. And then verse 2 brings the connection for us here this morning. My soul thirsts for God. For the living God. Listen to this last sentence. When shall I come and appear before God? Now, for the Old Testament saints, they, uh, God rep- the temple represented God's presence on earth. We talk about going to God. We're talking about going to the temple. So catch what's happening here. David is saying in his longing for God, he's also longing to gather with the people of God in church worshiping. For David, there was no distinction between he personally desiring God and craving God and he needing to be together with God's people collectively desiring and craving God. This idea in American Christianity that your faith is private and you can kind of do it on your own and not gather with God's people, the Bible knows nothing about that. The Bible teaches instead as you personally search for God and seek God and desire God and crave God, you realize your need to collectively with a group of people seek God, desire God, thirst for God, long for Him. That's why we are here. So we gather together, lifting our voices as one, collectively as a group, calling out for the fact that we need, we crave, we long, we desire, we thirst for God. So As we do that here this morning, I want to ask you just to kind of bow your heads just for a moment. I want to pray for us and ask God to kind of set the stage for us as we're coming together as a group, seeking Him. Lord God, I I pray for every person in this room. I pray, God, that they individually will long for you. And if there's anyone here in this room that individually in their heart doesn't crave you, long for you, desire you, thirst for you, feel dried up and parched like they're going to die if they can't get you, if there's someone in this room that doesn't feel that, I pray, God, that you would place that in them today. They would long for you like that. They would crave you like that. And I pray, God, for us as a group, God, that we would long for you and crave you together as a group. As we stand, as we sing, as we worship, as we pray, as we hear your word and we respond together, I pray, God, we'll do it as a group, as one pursuing you. I pray, God, you'll show us there's no difference between us personally craving you and us needing to, as a group, crave you. Do this in us today, God, for your glory. We pray this in your name, Jesus. Amen. Amen. Good morning, church. Stand with me. Let's sing and let's celebrate who God is.
Oh 
weakness watch and pray find in me thine all in all Jesus paid it all all to him I owe sin had left a crimson stain he washed it white as snow
can you join me? So I'd like to introduce everyone to Cherith. This is Cherith Webb. So Cherith is one of our college students here. Uh, she's a freshman this year, and uh, her family's uh, part of our church, T.W., Louie, and her parents. Uh, and so a while back, uh, Cherith came to me and said, you know, I, I, I sense that the Lord may want me to take some time away from college and go serve overseas in missions. Uh, and so, and as a pastor, what I've learned uh, over the last couple of decades is uh, people often come to me and say, hey, I think God's telling me to do a thing. Um, and so I, I usually kind of give them homework and send them off. And, uh, and if they're really serious, they'll come back. And so that's kind of what I did with Cherith. I said, all right, well, look into these couple of things, pray through that, and let me know what you think. And she reached back out to me a little bit later and said, all right, so I'm leaving. I got my date. I'm like, oh, oh okay, all right. So I um, had a chance to, to spend some time with her and, and hear a little bit about what the Lord is doing in her life and what God is calling her to. And so I really wanted to give her an opportunity to share the same with you, uh, what God's doing in her life, and then what that might mean for us and, and jump in and help and be a part of it. So, Mr. Sheriff, why don't you just kind of share a little bit about the mission and what uh, the Lord's led you to. Good morning. Um, I am going to um, be doing my experience through Experience Mission. Um, I did the immersion program, which is a gap year. So I'll spend three months in one country, come back for the holidays, and then go for six months in another one. And I'll be backpacking through it. So um, the first country I'll be going to for three months is Belize. Uh, Belize is in Central America. Um, the next country I'll be going to is Africa for six months. I'll be going to South Africa, Lesotho and Nimbia, Nimbia. Um, and um, yeah, that's what I'm going to be doing in the next year. So Excellent. So, okay, so taking time away from college to do this is not the typical path that college students take. So what, what kind of led you here? What, what, what brought you to this point in the Lord? So I grew up in a strong Christian home, which I'm very thankful for. Um, my mom and my dad did, I think, a very good job of raising me. Um, and because I grew up in a Christian home, I was um, always in the church. And so I was saved at a young age. And, like, as a child, I never really doubted. However, once I got into middle school and high school, there was some doubt that had been planted into my heart about where I stood with God. Um, am I saved? Am I not saved? You know, kind of kept going back and forth with that. And um, my senior year in high school, um, something just clicked. I don't know what it was. I can't really explain it. But it said, you know, I'm here Stop asking me to come in. I've already knocked at your door. You've already let me in. I'm sitting at your couch, but you're not spending time with me. You're not here with me. You know, you're busy running around your house. You're doing this. You're doing that. But you're not sitting down with me on the couch. And you're not getting to know me, this person who's living inside of you. So I think that was my biggest thing is that I wasn't growing in my relationship with the Lord. Um, and so my senior year in high school, we also went to a missions trip to Costa Rica uh, for five days, we built a house for a family, and I just knew that that's what I wanted to do again. Um, 
after I graduated high school, um, I really wanted to go to Liberty University. Um, that did not work out uh, financially wise, um, but I decided to take classes at FTCC um, two years, and in that two-year time period, I began to uh, be involved in a young adult group um, that just really influenced me, really impacted me. Um, when COVID hit, the leaders of the group opened up their home, and we were able to worship as a body of believers. There was only 10 of us, but we were able to worship as a body of believers, and it's just been so great. Um, over Christmas, me and my mom, we went to Pembroke, kind of looked around, because that's what I was planning on doing was transferring to Pembroke. And I just didn't feel right about that. I didn't feel right about a four-year university yet. And my mom was like, well, why don't you do a missions trip? And I was like, nah, that's not, that's not for me, you know. I'm not the backpacking type, you know. I'd rather just stay here where I'm comfortable. Um, and one day I was like, well, maybe that is something that I'm supposed to do. So I just Googled, and experience mission was the first thing that came up. And so it was a whole interview process, you know. I didn't really think I was going to get in because, you know, I was like, God, if this isn't it, you need to shut the door. That means a rejection. So, but I didn't get that. So here I am. Wow. Well, and uh, in this, so the reason Sherith is, is, is with us is, is twofold. One, to support her, and we'll chat about that in just a second. But then also to really kind of plant the seed in that um, I am actively, actively praying that God raises up more young people like her from this very room. Um, uh, our desire, our plan, is that God sends off many, many, many people, uh, many young people in our church for this. And so what happens is this. Um, our hope is that we raise up young people and just like Cherith, send them off for um, you know six months a year whatever it is either in between high school and college or take a year off of college and and go and then one of two things is going to happen for some they're going to go and experience experience that mission opportunity overseas and god's going to call them to full-time missions for some that's going to happen and then they'll come back and kind of reorganize their life and reset and, and set off to that trajectory but that's not going to be the majority the vast majority are going to come back home finish up college um, start a, a job, a trade, join the military, whatever it is. They're going to go off to the normal life that they had originally planned. They're going to end up being doctors and lawyers and teachers and stay-at-home moms or whatever. But they're going to do that now with a deep, deep, deep love for Jesus Christ and his gospel. And that's the hope. That's what we're after. So I'm going to go ahead and just set this out right now. Um, our church policy, and I got the mic, you can't stop me. So our official church policy now is... If you're a young person and you want to give time in your life overseas for missions, we will do everything we can to help you do that. Um, we're going to step in the gap and do whatever we can to push that forward and help resource that. So with that, Cherith, for you, how can people here help support you in this? So you can give online, but you can also give uh, through the mail. Um, if you do write a check, uh, make the checks uh, payable to Experience Mission, and in the memo line, put in um, my username, which is Cherith Webb, and I'll be added to my account. So that's the way you can give through the mail, and there's the P.O. box. Um, you can also give online, um, which would be the next slide. Oh, giving online, showing how people had to give online. So we'll hit the next one. And then also, we've got cards down front here. 
uh, so you can follow that on the card so you know how to give and what that, uh, how to follow her and contact her and all that sort of thing. Yeah, so if you go online, there's on my card, there's a um, website that's, you know, you'll type that in, and this will be the first thing that pops up. You'll click that green donate button on there, and then after you click that, it'll be a, so you'll put in your amount. Um, you can give one time or you can give monthly. Um, there is a 2.5% charge for credit cards and debit cards through online, so just keep that in mind. Okay. All right, so, so let me ask you a very straightforward question. Okay, what was the total cost for the trip? 15000 And what do you still currently need? I am 26% funded right now, so about eleven. 11 so you 000. need about eleven. Okay, yes. so today we're starting a new fundraising campaign. It's called Cherith Needs $11,000 and You Have It. <laughs> I'm not here for creativity, but uh, you get the point. Uh, so, so again, I, I think it's our desire, our hearts, our hunger to, um, to, to help uh, foster this in, in our young people. And so, so I strongly, in all seriousness, encourage you to give. We've got some cards down front here at the end of service. Cheers will be down front. You can come chat with her. Um, let's, let's help support her in this and send her off. And then also we can know how to stay connected and pray with her and for her uh, throughout the trip. And in fact, we want to take a little time and pray for her right now. Um, and I'm going to ask my wife if she would come up. I uh, caught her off guard last service. She, she's ready now. Um, so Marie uh, did something very similar in college. She spent some time in college serving uh, with a mission organization in Europe, ministering to Muslim women. And so you understand raising support, all of those sorts of things. And so you've been there and done that. So I think it would be good for you to, to pray for us. And I'm going to call Mama and Daddy up. I caught her off guard last, last service. I confess I was a little bit of a wreck last service because I didn't know Cheris was doing all this this morning. And my heart, like how many of you parents are just like, this is, like, this is all we could ever want for our kids to just not even necessarily just go on mission, but like just the surrender, just the surrender to the Lord and what that means the fruit, like the fruit of all your prayers, the fruit, I just want my children to fall madly in love with Jesus and experience him, no matter what that looks like. So for Cherith, we know that this is what it looks like. But also just the fact that um, it's $15,000. Like how many of us adults would be like, mm, I'm out, you know, like I'm out. $15,000 for what? what? What's my, like what's my, what am I getting for that? I mean, that's, that's where our brains go. But like, that wasn't even, that wasn't even a deterrent, you know, it was just faith, like, I'm going to go, this is what God's called me to do, and it wasn't even that it was crystal clear at first, it wasn't even that it was, I don't even think it's all crystal clear now, she doesn't have a clue what she's getting into, y'all, um, but I do think as a mama, um, and, I, and I do look back, how old are you? She's 20, I think back to what I was doing at 20, man, I would give anything to go back to this, you know, that time in my life where I just was so, I, my life laid down, really, and that's what, just what I keep hearing. As I prayed for her earlier, I just keep hearing life laid down, like I just surrender my life to you, Jesus, whatever you want, whatever you want, um, and I'm so encouraged, like her being up here, 
it's, a, it's an answer to our prayer as a church, just how God has already answered that by raising up young people. So I'm going to pray. Y'all pray with me, and um, we're just going to bless Cherith. Father, I, when I think about Cherith, that verse um, from Romans just comes so strongly to my heart. How beautiful, how beautiful are the feet that bring the good news. I thank you, God, that before she was ever created in her mama's womb, this was the plan that you had for her. And all, all the seeking, all the searching, all the wondering, Lord, that song comes to my mind, there was Jesus. You had this for her. You had this for the whole Webb family. I thank you for the grace that a mama and daddy would say, yes, you go fulfill. You go fulfill the Great Commission. We will support you. We will love you and pray for you. And I pray, God, that um, just the way that Cherith described that, just the way that she described her relationship with you, get to know, I, I want you to get to know me. Jesus, that's who you are. You just want us to know you. And I pray, Lord, that in this mission, over those nine months, God, that she will know that word, immersion, that she will be immersed in your Holy Spirit, She'll be immersed in your word. She'll be immersed in your presence and your provisions. God, we know that $15,000 is like nothing. Like, what is that to you? You are the living God. You own the cattle on a thousand hills. You will make all provisions for her above and beyond, God, what she could ever ask or imagine. And we know that it goes beyond just financial needs, Lord, that you will meet her. You will meet her, God, in the moment where she is ministering to these hungry souls, God, that you will open her mouth, just as we're going to read this morning about Philip. You're going to open her mouth, and the Holy Spirit is going to speak a revelation of who you are, Jesus. And souls will be saved. Souls will be saved. I thank you, Father, for the good things. We call it for today, the good things that you have prepared for Cherith, the good things that you have prepared for the entire Webb family, God. We thank you. We thank you for the obedience. We thank you for your goodness. We thank you for your provision and that you will fill, you will fill Cherith as she goes. Thank you, Jesus. We love you. You are worthy. You are worthy of a life laid down because you laid your life down for us, God. We thank you today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 Hey, can you give Cherith a hand? All right, well, it, it just, in God's providence, it just moves so perfectly into what our passage is today, Acts chapter 8. As we're walking through the book of Acts, we come today to chapter 8. We're going to crank it up in verse 26, and it just fits so perfectly with what we see happening uh, in Cherith's life here today. Um, so, as we go through... Acts chapter 8, we're going to be once again seeing a man named Philip. And what we're going to see today in Philip's life is really uh, the world's first short-term mission trip. Right? So Philip is called by God to leave where he is, to go to another location, to share the gospel of Jesus Christ with, to, with someone from a different culture, uh, and hopes that God would save that individual and see something happen within that person's homeland, right? It's the world's first short-term mission trip. And Philip, in doing this, really experiences 
the power of God in an amazing way. And so that's exactly what we're doing today. So the hope for today, our big idea is this. We are called to bring gospel joy to the entire world. This is our call. The call to follow Jesus is the call to fulfill the Great Commission. God is looking for us. He's calling us. His plan is for us to engage this world with the gospel of Jesus Christ. And God has created you. He's designed you. He's put in your experiences, your skill set, your callings, all of that coming together for you to have a role in seeing the gospel go to the ends of the earth. That's his call on you, and we're going to see that play out today in the life of Philip as well. So if you have a Bible, let's find Acts chapter 8. Let's pick it up in verse 26, all right? Acts 8, verse 26. Now an angel of the Lord said to Philip, Rise and go toward the south to the road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. This is a desert place. All right, stop just for a second. Philip, if you were here with us last week, he was preaching in Samaria, and things were going really, really well. The entire city was full of joy. Everybody's getting saved. Everybody's getting baptized. Everybody's loving Jesus. Everybody's joining a Bible study. Everybody's growing in the Lord. Things are going really, really well for Philip. He is rocking and rolling. He's being asked to come speak at church growth seminars. Like, things are really good for him right now. And in the midst of all of that, God sends an angel to Philip, and tells him, hey, I want you to leave this, and I want you to go 165 miles away to the middle of the desert. And what you see in this is God calling. For some of you, God has called you here. For some, God will call you away. God will call some of us to different parts of the country, different parts of the world. The point is God is always moving. He's always calling. And what I want you to see with Philip here is this. When God called Philip, Philip did not push back. Philip did not contradict. Philip did not ask for more details. Philip just obeyed. Philip had no idea where he was going or what he was doing. God was just like, so you see that road? Keep walking until I tell you to stop. Okay. So Philip goes. Interesting, important point. People ask me all the time, how do I know God's will? How do I know God's will? Here's Here's the answer. Here's how you determine God's will. Be obedient to the next step. God did not tell Philip what the end goal was going to be. He just said, here's the next step. Oftentimes, we're so determined to find out the full, total, complete, 10-year plan of God that we paralyze ourselves and never take the next step. God just said, do this. So Philip did. Verse 27, and he arose and went. And there was an Ethiopian, a eunuch, a court official of Candace, queen of the Ethiopians, who was in charge of all her treasure. He had come to Jerusalem to worship. Verse 28, and was returning, seated in his chariot, and was reading the prophet Isaiah. So we're introduced now to this man. He's just simply known as the Ethiopian eunuch. So it says he's a high-ranking official. He works in the palace with the queen, and he is a eunuch. Um, Eunuchs, they were... emasculated right it was uh, so typically if you worked in the palace especially if you were in close proximity to the queen they would make you a eunuch so that you didn't get any frisky ideas with the queen or princesses which is a very strange requirement for a job right can you imagine going on monster.com right required four-year degree accounting experience must be willing to become a eunuch whoa 
Check, please. I'm out, right? Negative, Ghost Rider. So this man's a eunuch, and if you have any questions, so I know like we're, we want to be good Bible teachers here. We don't want to just gloss over the hard stuff. We want to make sure you understand everything. So if you have any questions about what it means to be a eunuch or how that process happened, our youth pastor, Pastor Ryan, is going to be standing up front at the end of the service. And you are free to come ask him any question that comes into your mind. All right, and he is going to thoroughly answer that question for you. It's going to be good. So you have this guy. He's traveling back from Jerusalem. He's reading the prophet Isaiah. And, and what's going on here with this man? He has probably traveled around a thousand miles. He's seeking after God. He's not a Jewish, he's not a Jew, he's not a believer, but he's seeking God. He's got questions. He's seeking after the Lord. And then look at verse 29. And the Spirit said to Philip, go over and join this chariot. So the Spirit. Um, the Holy Spirit is referenced uh, about 59 times in the book of Acts. And over 40 of those times, the Holy Spirit is speaking. Right? He's telling someone to do something. And here you have the Holy Spirit telling Philip, go over there and talk to that guy. So here's the question for us, okay? Are you listening and are you being obedient to the Holy Spirit telling you, leading you, guiding you, directing you, specifically when it comes to sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ? If you're saying you've never sensed the Holy Spirit direct you, guide you, tell you whatever word you want to use here, whatever helps feel, make you feel better, whatever word you want to use here, if you've never since the Spirit of God leading you in that and sharing the gospel, I would submit, if you're a follower of Jesus Christ, that just means you aren't listening to Him. The Scriptures tell us that you can quench the Spirit. It is not that God is not telling you to do this. It is that you're not listening. And I know we can get super nervous. I, I, look, I have said no to the Spirit in this more in my life than I've said yes. So I get it. But we can be so nervous and so concerned about what people are going to think about us that we can shrink back from speaking boldly about Jesus. But, but think about it just for a minute. We shrink back because we're afraid to tell the world about Jesus. But listen to me. The world does not shrink back from telling you what it thinks. Brothers and sisters, may we be as bold about telling the world about Jesus as the world is bold telling you about your, their sin. They are not concerned about offending you. They are not concerned about their beliefs rubbing up wrong against yours. They couldn't care less. They're extremely bold with wickedness. May we be empowered by the Holy Spirit to be bold in talking about Jesus Christ. Now, are there some who aren't going to like that? Absolutely. Are there some situations that may get a little sideways and wonky? Yep. But brothers and sisters, we are called to this. I, last week, I was eating lunch with one of our guys here at our church, and we were sitting there at the table, and 
waitress came and brought her a meal, and we're about to pray. So I, I asked the waitress, I said, well, before we pray, is there anything we can pray for you about? And she kind of stepped back and never been asked that before and kind of fiddled with her mask a little bit. And like, uh, I, don't, I don't know, I, I, I guess. I said, well, is there anything specifically we'd love to pray for you? Uh, she said, oh, okay. And she was very quick to make sure that she told us that she was uh, a lesbian and that she was married to a woman. I said, well, still love to pray for you. How can we pray for you? She said, well, my wife and I, we, we need a place to live. We're, we're, we're having to, to get out of our apartment. We need another apartment. So I guess you can pray for that. I said, Absolutely. I'd love to pray for you. So right there, over our chips and salsa, we prayed for her. And I prayed for her and her wife. I prayed that God would provide a place for them to live. And then I pivoted. And I said, and Jesus called her by name. I said, I pray that you would make yourself so real and obvious to her. I pray that she would see you for who you really are. I pray, God, you'll put people in her life to show you who you are, show her who you really are. And I pray, Jesus, that she meets you for who you are, and you do a wonderful new work in her life. And then we finished. I said, amen. And she looked at me and she said, can I pray for you? I said, sure. So this very nice lesbian woman prayed for us. And then from that, no real spiritual conversations happened. She was extremely nice and and served very well and, and, and all that was good. But she wasn't interested in furthering that conversation in any way. But why was I doing that? Well, two reasons. One, I not even knowing this woman, I know that she was created by God in the image of God. She is a soul for whom Jesus Christ died, and so I want to love her and minister to her. And I'm constantly looking for opportunities, just like Philip. I'm seeking to listen, to follow. Is the Lord guiding in this? Is the Lord guiding in that? Listen, you can't catch fish if you never put hooks in the water. You never speak to anyone. You walk away going, you know, I never had those opportunities. I can think of a couple reasons why. You have to look for them. You have to seek them. You wake up and you say, Holy Spirit, I ask for Ethiopian eunuch-type moments. Just show me, Lord. Give me those opportunities. I'm going to step in. Maybe you're working there. Maybe you're not. He wasn't there to to, to the point of salvation. So I just pray that God takes that seed and waters it and does something with it. I had a chance last week also to meet um, a very nice young man who's a Mormon missionary. And so we're having a, we're talking, right? And um, I said, man, I'd love to get together with you and, and, and talk about, uh, about the Lord and things of the Lord. He said, oh, I'd love to do that. That'd be great. I said, now, let me put all my cards on the table, all right? And I said, first, I'm a Bible-believing evangelical Christian. Second, I'm a Baptist pastor. All right, so, A, you're not going to convert me. Um, B, you know, we're going to have some conversations. He's like, I'd love that. I love talking about the things of God. I'd love to hear your thoughts. I'm like, oh, 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 it's on like Donkey Kong. You don't even know. Like, we're doing this thing. He's like, well, I got a mission partner that we kind of work together. So whatever, bring him. It's like, absolutely, more the merrier. So it's going to be great. Pray for us. This Tuesday afternoon, we're going to go hang out. It's going to be like the beginning of a cheesy joke, right? Two Mormon missionaries and a Baptist preacher walk into a Mexican restaurant. <laughs> but here's the point. I am looking for Acts 8, Philip Ethiopian eunuch moments. And I would encourage you, brothers and sisters, 
devote yourself to pursuing the same things. There are spirit-given opportunities all around you. We don't take them because we're not looking for them. Blinders on, focus on the to-do list, things i got to get done, and we don't pay attention to the lost world around us and the obvious spirit opportunities God is giving us to engage here. Look for them. And sometimes they turn out awesome and sometimes they don't. If you fish, sometimes you can't fit all of the fish in the cooler that you catch and sometimes you can't give the bait away. Not every time you go fishing are you going to catch. But I guarantee you, if you don't put a hook in the water, you won't catch anything. Same thing. Philip is listening to the Spirit. He obeys the Spirit. Then what happens? Verse 30. So Philip ran to him and heard him reading Isaiah the prophet and asked, Do you understand what you are reading? And he said, How can I unless someone guides me? And he invited Philip to come up and sit with him. Verse 32. Now, the passage of the scripture that he was reading was this, and he quotes Isaiah 53. Like a sheep that was led to the slaughter, like a lamb before its shears is silent, so he opens not his mouth. In his humiliation, justice was denied him. Who can describe his generation? For his life is taken away from the earth. And the eunuch said to Philip, about whom, I ask, does this prophet say this, about himself or about someone else? Then Philip opened his mouth, and beginning with this scripture, he told him the good news about Jesus. So this, this Ethiopian eunuch is reading Isaiah 53. So let's think full picture about this guy and what he's experiencing. So let's, let's kind of get the full thing. So he's a eunuch. He's traveled a thousand miles up from Africa to Jerusalem to worship. Problem is this. Deuteronomy 23 says no eunuch is permitted in the temple. So it's very likely this man traveled 1,000 miles to Jerusalem only to be told, you don't belong here, turn around, you're not welcome. We don't allow your kind to worship with us. And he was sent away. However, though, he sees you reading Isaiah 53. And if he's reading Isaiah 53, he's reading the prophet Isaiah, he's probably also read Isaiah 56. So we don't have it up on the screen, but I just want you to listen. Here's what he would have read in Isaiah 56, verses 4 and 5. For thus says the Lord to the eunuchs who keep my Sabbath, who choose the things that please me and hold fast my covenant, I will give in my house and within my walls a monument and a name better than sons and daughters. I will give them an everlasting name that, wordplay intended, that shall not be cut off. What this eunuch was reading is this. What was going on is this. On one hand, the, 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 the law tells him, because of what you've done, because of what your past is, because of how you've scarred yourself, because of the things that you've allowed yourself to be a part of, you're not permitted to come and worship God here. But at the same time, he's reading Isaiah that tells him, God loves even the eunuch. And he has a plan to bless and bring new life even to you. And in the midst of all of that, he's reading Isaiah 53 about this humble servant who lays his life down for the sins of humanity. And this eunuch is, is wrestling with all of this. On this side it says no. On this side it says yes. What does all this mean? And this is where he meets Philip. And Philip jumps in, starting with this scripture. It says that he 
preaches to him the good news about Jesus. And some of you here in this room, you may be in a similar spot of the eunuch. Just listen to this. Because of things in your past, because of things you've done, because of scars that you have allowed to be put onto you, whether from your own doing or someone else's doing, because of those things, you feel completely isolated from God and the people of God. You feel like, I don't belong here. If you people just knew what was really in my heart, what was really in my past, who I really am, you would never want me in this room right now. What this passage tells you is Jesus Christ sees, Jesus Christ knows, and Jesus Christ came and died and rose again so that you can be made new. So that no matter what you've done in your life and the consequences that you're having to experience as a result, Jesus Christ comes and he says, I'll even cover those. I will come and I will give you new life, new hope, new meaning, new purpose, new power. Listen, today, I, I, I implore you, trust my faith in Jesus Christ. Let him make you new. Jesus Christ came and died and rose again so that your sins can be forgiven, your past can be taken away, and new life can be placed on you today. Just like this eunuch, who any hope of sons and daughters have been taken away from him. Any hope of, of his name, his life moving beyond him is gone. When he dies, it is done. And he's experiencing, he, he did that because it allowed him Financial opportunities and job opportunities. But now he's starting to realize, you know what? Things I thought were a good idea 10 years ago, I realize aren't such a good idea today. Anybody ever been in that boat? Sometimes you can live in the past and you can go, but, but it's too late for me now. I did that. I was so stupid. I don't know why I did that. I thought it was a good idea at the time. I thought they loved me. I thought it was real. I thought that's what I meant. I thought, now here I am. What Acts 8 is telling you, if God can have grace and new life through Jesus Christ for this eunuch, the same can be true for you. Trust by faith in Jesus Christ today and let him make you new. And, and we see the response of this eunuch, verse 36. And as they were going along the road, they came to some water. And the eunuch said, see, here is water. What prevents me from being baptized? And in verse 38, and he commanded the chariot to stop. And they both went down into the water, Philip and the eunuch, and he baptized him. So you see this man believing by faith in Jesus Christ and being saved and baptized to follow that up and prove that, show that to the world. Now, uh, if you have a King James or New King James, you'll notice something. You have a verse 37, but we skipped it. And if you have an NIV, an ESV, a Holman Christian Standard, you don't have verse 37 in your Bible. Right? Look at your numbers. It goes 35, 36, 38, 39, 40. And you're looking going, someone, someone took 37, like I don't have it. So real quick, super duper duper quick. So many of your translations came from different ancient manuscripts, all right? King James, New King James came from one manuscript tradition. NIV, ESV, Holman Christian Standard came from a different um, uh, uh, transcript tradition. It is believed now by most uh, scholars, Bible scholars, good conservative men of God, that um, verse 37 is probably not supposed to be there. Um, it's probably best that it's the, the, the oldest and most reliable manuscripts do not have verse 37. So, um, so it, going 35, 36, 38, 39, that's, that's totally okay. Now, here's what also we have. 
If verse 37 is in there or not in there, it doesn't change anything. Because it's clear from verse 35, this man was placing faith in Jesus. So if it's in there or not in there, it doesn't change anything, okay? Just letting you know, if you look down and went, someone erased verse 37 from my Bible, that's why. And then verse 39, And when they came up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord carried Philip away, and the eunuch saw him no more, and went on his way rejoicing. But Philip found himself at Azotus, and as he passed through, he preached the gospel to all the towns until it came to Caesarea. So this is interesting, right? So Philip baptizes the guy. He, you know, and Jesus, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, baptizes him. As soon as he picks him up out of the water, Philip vanishes, right? The Holy Spirit, like, beam me up, Scotty. He's gone. And so one, the eunuch came up out of the water like, oh, praise Jesus. Where'd he go? Where'd he go? And then Philip, can you imagine Philip? Philip's like bringing him out of the water, and the next thing you know, boom, he's just standing somewhere else. It must have been like he just picked him up, and then boom, he's standing in this other place like this going, what happened? And then I love verse 40, what did Philip do? He just kept preaching. He's like, well, anybody here want to hear about Jesus? He just jumped right back in. But verse 39 is so neat. As this eunuch gets saved, what does he say uh, here? He went on his way rejoicing. Just like much joy filled Samaria, much joy filled this Ethiopian eunuch. And it's believed that this eunuch goes on to be the first missionary in Africa. In fact, the Coptic Christians in Egypt that are just a severely persecuted group of believers there in Egypt, uh, they trace their beginnings back to this guy. They say he was their first believer. Led others to Jesus and this movement began. It's an amazing story of a short-term mission trip. Philip coming in for a little bit, telling a guy about Jesus, and boom, heading out again. But the impact of that was powerful. So again, the question that we ask is, so what does this mean for us? So we go back to our original big idea for the day. We're called to bring gospel joy to the entire world. Again, the call for you to follow Jesus is the call for you to pursue the Great Commission. So I want to give you a couple of things. What do we do now? One, we must be obedient to the Spirit's calling. We must be obedient to the Spirit's calling. The Holy Spirit is leading. You must hear, obey, and follow. There are right now over 3 billion people on earth who have little to no access to the gospel. That means just listen to this, just, just kind of get your head here. Because again, we can, we can get so used to our world, we don't realize what's happening out there. Over 3 billion people have either no access, that means no Christians, no churches, no missionaries, many of them no Bible even in their own language. No hope of hearing about Jesus at all. Or they have little access to the gospel, and meaning there may be a Bible in their language, they may be a missionary or two, but it's so sparse, the odds are they're going to go their entire life and never hear anyone tell them about Jesus. Three billion people are in that state. How many is three billion people? Three billion people can wrap around the world over 100 times. That's how many people have almost zero 
access. And my point today is, you are called by God to do something about that. You are. If you were driving home today, and you're driving over railroad tracks, and you look over and you see a child, a lame child sitting on the railroad tracks, completely incapable of moving themselves, and a train is coming, what would you do? You would not stop and pray and ask God what his will is. Can we agree there? You're not going to say, I don't think I'm called to dragging kids off the rail track ministry. Like, I don't think that's me. Like, I know people who do, but I don't really think that's me. Like, you wouldn't do that. What would you do? Without even thought or hesitation, you would pull over, you'd throw it in the park, you'd run out, and you'd grab that child, pick them up, and bring them to safety. My point I'm trying to get you to understand is this. There are three billion people completely dead and lame in their sin, lying on the railroad tracks of eternity with hell barreling towards them. Stop praying if it's God's will. Go. Go. Do something. Don't tweet about it. I love One of my favorite parts of the Bible is where Moses... Uh, so, uh, Red Sea in front of him, Egyptian army behind him, he's got a staff, and he keeps praying like, God, what do we do? God, what do we do? And one of the great lines, God looks at him and says, would you stop praying and do it already? Step out in the water, Moses. Quit asking me what my will is. Do what I've already told you to do. My plea for you today is this. Stop disobeying God. I can't make it any clearer than that. Stop disobeying him, and by God, you're going to make me say a word I'm going to get in trouble with. Listen, stop disobeying God, and stop trying to make it spiritual that you're disobeying God. Go. So how do we do that? I'm going to give you three things. Pray, give, and go. Right? Ways that you can personally, you personally, real handlebar things, you can walk out of this room and be able to say, I am personally engaging in this. All right? One is pray. I'd encourage you to go to www.joshuaproject.net. They also have an app you can download. And they will send you every day an unreached people group for you to pray for. So you're going to be praying specifically for, for people who are in the most need. And then also as you do that, it, it stirs up your heart to be a part of that. So one, everyone can pray. Two, give. We've already given you an opportunity today uh, to give. Cherith. Uh, encourage you to give through that to help her go. Also, uh, as you leave, we've got Compassion International table out uh, to my left. You're right. You can go out there. Give that way. Seeing the gospel go forward and practical needs being met. Give. And then third is go. We want you to go. I'm challenging every person in this room. Every single person in this room. I'm challenging you to commit to God that within the next 12 to 18 months, you will personally go on a short-term mission trip. You may not know where that trip's going to be, where you're going. You may not know any of that yet. Because of COVID, we haven't been able to plan out a ton. We know we have a trip going this summer to Tennessee. We had to cancel all of our overseas trips because international travel is kind of wonky. So we have one trip to Tennessee this summer that we know. But as things loosen up, we're planning a lot more. Commit right now in your heart to God. 
over the next 12 to 18 months, you are personally going to go. And I would say this. You say that you're going to go until God, like, sets a bush on fire and audibly talks to you telling you not to. Too many of us, we never end up going because we flip it. Like, well, if God makes it clear, I'll go. Here's your sign. All right? You are supposed to go. Unless for whatever reason you are physically, medically, you're, you're under house arrest and can't leave the county, whatever it is, all right? Unless there is an actual reason you're supposed to go, go. My desire is that we come to a point where we have over 40 weeks a year. Someone from our church is somewhere in the world sharing the gospel. It's just constant. And the only way that happens is if everybody says, I am called to go. Go. Also, we met Sheriff earlier today for our teenagers and our college students. I want you to strongly consider doing the same thing. Taking a year after high school or taking a year off from college. Giving six months or a year to be overseas for mission. I want you to consider doing that. And again, I've already committed. If you believe the Lord is leading you to do that, we will help you do it. We are on your side. We're in your corner. And we will do everything we can to help fund that. Go. Do this. Uh, I mentioned my Mormon buddies I'm going to um, eat lunch with this week. I'll tell you what I admire about those guys. As a Mormon family, when, you're, when your child is born, they don't start a college fund. They start a mission fund. Because it's understood when you're 18, 19, 20 years old, you're, you're going to go do this. And I heard an interview once with one of the high ups for the, the Mormons. And um, he said, please understand, we have made a strategic decision to bank our entire future on 18 and 19-year-olds. Our entire future is based off them going out and pushing forward the mission. And if they are willing to do that for a lie, how much more should we be able to do that for the truth? So my call for you, young people, seriously set this before the Lord. We want to help you do this. We want to help create partnerships. We want you to go. Um, military. Every military personnel has one thing in common. You're going to have to have a second career. Right? Eventually you're going to come to a point where you're going to show up at the gate and go, you're not allowed anymore. Like you have to go away. What's next? For some of you, I believe God's calling you to be a full-time missionary. You've trained your entire adult life to go and be a part of a mission bigger than yourself. Why do you think God led you that way? Why do you think God did that? Do you think possibly it's because there's a greater kingdom desire he has for you? Or even if God's not calling you to full-time missions, maybe there's just a, a, another career that you have post-military. I want to encourage you to be conscious about how is missions going to play a role in the next chapter in your life. How are you going to engage with that? What's that going to look like? Retirees. All right, you're retired. Now what? 
how is missions going to play a role in the next chapter of your life? The International Mission Board, imb.org, they have an entire program set up to help retirees figure out how to be engaged in missions in their retired years. How are you going to devote the next chapter of your life? What I want all of us to understand is we are all called to do this. You are Philip, and there are Ethiopian eunuchs out there ready to be plucked for the harvest in the gospel of Jesus Christ, but we've got to be willing to go. Go. So I want to ask our band to come up, and I'm going to ask if you just bow your heads for me. I want to ask you to sort of have some introspection time and ask yourself a couple of questions. <clears throat> One, do you need to confess and repent today? Because you have not been listening to and obeying the Holy Spirit as he has been leading you to engage people here with the gospel of Jesus Christ in your everyday life. And perhaps you've not been listening and obeying to the Holy Spirit leading you to go be a part of taking the gospel to the ends of the earth. Do you need to take some time today and confess and repent of that? Asking the Holy Spirit to speak to you and committing to him that you'll listen. Do you need to commit today that God has your entire life and he can do with it whatever he wants? He can send you wherever he wants. He can do with your life whatever he wants. Right now, are you willing, just in your mind's eye right now, are you willing to slide a blank check across the table to God and say, you write in that whatever you want. My entire life is yours. Send me whatever you want. Send me wherever you want. Tell me to do whatever you want. Stay here. Go there. Wherever. My entire life is yours. Take it. If you've not done that as a follower of Christ, I, I really believe that's God's desire for you. Or then maybe for you here today, you find yourself not in the position of Philip, but of the Ethiopian eunuch. Are you in need of God's grace in your life? Are you in need of the gospel of Jesus Christ to come in, heal up your wounds, and make you new? Today, believe by faith in Jesus Christ. He is God in flesh who came to earth died on the cross, buried in the grave, and rose again. If you trust in him, he did that on your behalf to take away your sin, to take away the, the condemnation, the guilt, the punishment for your sin, your scars, to take that all upon himself and to give you new life in him. Trust in Jesus today to make you new. Say, Jesus Christ, take away my sin. Be my Savior and my Lord give you my life as our band leads us I want to encourage you to spend some time just seeking the Lord singing, praying, you can come down front I'll be down front, I'll be happy to talk with you my wife will be down front, she can talk with you let's spend some time asking the Holy Spirit to speak to us and committing that we're going to listen